250 miles scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Looking back, it still does. Like, I don't know. Yeah. That's a like, road trip on feet. <laughs> dude, it's, it's a long, long way. That's a tank of gas for some cars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think fear is, there's a healthy amount of fear that the more you do, like you said, 50 miles for you, you know you can do it mm-hmm. now, so that fear element might be missing. Yeah. And so it's like ultra running. It's just, you know, it's almost like the looking for your next high. It's it like, is. What is yeah. what is that next thing that kind of gives me that fear that I, I don't know if I can do? Welcome to the Zero Quit Podcast, where I bring you candid conversations with elite athletes, entrepreneurs, specialists, and other creatives. I'm your host, Brock Covington, and through these dialogues, you will hear powerful stories and practical advice that will help you live a more active and intentional life. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to today's podcast. I'm here with the man himself, Don Reichelt. Drove out to Fair Play, luckily not too far, and uh, so second time on, and already broke out a little nine-mile run, did a little sauna action, some coffee, everything that we're into, right? Yeah, it's uh, kind of the the perfect start to the day. Run, coffee, sauna. Ketones. Ketones. A little bit of everything. Yeah. Avocado toast. It's very Dude, avocado-esque. We are on brand for Fair Play Colorado this That's morning. right, that's right. But if you guys don't know... Don Reichelt is an elite ultra runner here out of Fair Play, Colorado. He holds various records, including the furthest distance on a manual treadmill in 24 hours. He's also got notable face race finishes at Leadville 100, Bighorn 100, Badwater, and recently Cocodona 250. How you doing, man? Brother, I'm good. Good to see you in person. Fun, yeah. to, fun to record live, have you at my crib. and Yeah. Man, good good day so far. Of course. So I want to kick off with that exactly. Cocodona, we're like a month, I think, past from it. Yeah, almost exactly. So a month from the start. Right? Yeah, from the start, race, so I guess. It's a not quite, race. Not yeah. quite a month from the finish. So one question I've been kind of waiting to ask you is like that why. Like why 250? Because you've done a bunch of 100, a little bit past 100-mile races. But from what I know, this is like the first time you did a 200, a kind of multi-day event. You know, what was going through your mind as far as like, I want to do this race? Yeah, so I think back to why I got into ultra running to start is because I wanted to do really hard things that I didn't know I could succeed at. Yeah. And as I've gotten more and more experience in the ultra running world and 13, 14 hundred mile races, I I, I know I can do a hundred miles. I was really looking for something I didn't know I could do. And it just kind of really appealed to me to get back to my roots of doing something really hard. Yeah that I didn't know I could be successful at. And I think that's that really motivated me. It really lit the fire to train really hard that I might have been missing. That's what I think we all get into, like, running for, and even, like, a really small scale. When I first started, I remember running 10 miles felt like the coolest thing to me. And it's running is so clear and obvious, and it's beautiful in that way because, you know— just adding in mileage, it's it's an obvious, clear objective where you did more, you did better. Like, you know, running 12 miles, and you go, well, let me try doing a half marathon, 13.1, then do a full marathon. And ultra running specifically, you know, I was telling you on our run today, I've gotten not comfortable with 50 miles, but I've done it twice. Now I've done a 50K, and, you know, 20-mile distance, 30-mile even seems, you know, it doesn't shock me. It's not a can I do this versus the first time I did 50 it was the unknown. It was yeah. the the fear that excites you and motivates you because it, if if you're doing something you know you can do, it's not that exciting. If you're doing something you've done before or something that's you know comfortable, it's not exciting. It's the fear, the unknown that totally. that excites you and draws you into something. So that's what it sounds like. Two hundred miles was your new what the yeah. hell is going to happen? Yeah, I think I mean fear is the right word, and it's not like a 
I don't know, horror movie fear. Yeah. It's a it's a healthy it's fear a of a motivating yeah. of like, yeah, it, 250 miles scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Looking back, it still does. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, That's a road like, trip on feet. <laughs> dude, it's, it's a long, long ways. That's a tank of gas for some cars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think fear is, there's a healthy amount of fear that the more you do, like you said, 50 miles for you, you know you can do it mm-hmm. now, so that fear element might be missing. Yeah. And so it's like ultra running. It's just, you know, it's almost like the looking for your next high. It's it like, is. What is yeah. what is that next thing that kind of gives me that fear that I I don't know if I can do? Yeah, I think all ultra runners that I talk to, and I have, I have this on a small scale, but eventually a, a bigger scale is, you know, we love chasing that uh, – just like, what the hell are you doing? We we almost yeah. like live for that reaction of people being like, are you fucking crazy? You know, or yeah. people doing a triple crown or doing a 200 mile race or something like that. So I, I know specifically for this race, you got out and recon the actual course itself. But tell us a little bit about what that training and preparation looked like for a 200 mile plus race, especially compared to what you've previously done yeah. for other races. Yeah. So it was, definitely was a lot different. So it was, I, I focused a lot on time on feet type of training. Mm-hmm. So a little bit less focused on, you know, intervals and speed yeah. training and things like that. 250 miles. Speed you probably training. have enough of that base already built. Yeah. Right. I have years of that base. Yeah. So what I focused more on was like really, really good time on feet training. I did more hike training than I ever had. So yeah. like 250 miles, you're not going to be running the uphills for the most part. No, so, no. so hill and speed work, while it's important for strength development and, and cardiovascular development, really isn't going to play a huge factor into 250 miles. So I did a lot more hike training. Mm-hmm. I did some some ruck training. So Where'd I, you go for that? Um, I mean, you have, I mean, the mountains yeah, are here. Yeah, ba- my backyard, right? But so, uh, was it all strictly in the in the circum- or radius of fair play or did you much, go out? Yeah, okay. yeah. So we, we didn't run it this morning, but there yeah. we <laughs> ran past the hill that I train on. Yeah. One side of it is it's a third of a mile with 400 feet of gain all rocky okay. and the other side is a quarter mile with 400 feet of gain so i would go yeah. up and down that just hiking sometimes again putting the go ruck pack on just mm-hmm. adding a little bit weight because if you think about 250 miles you have to carry your Holding stuff the pack yeah and water and that's where a lot yeah. of looking at past finishers of these races is one of the complaints is like they didn't prepare their body to carry that much weight what is it specifically the lower back or the shoulders Traps, Traps? the shoulders so yeah. people weren't prepared to carry the weight on their shoulders so usually for me i mean yeah. Coming from a lifting background, you'd expect me to have some carryover in sh- much shorter distance, but still relatively. Usually in 50 miles, it's like after the 35-mile point, especially if there's a lot of elevation gain. I feel it in my lower back more yeah. than my shoulders. Yeah. But that's because I have that built up from yeah. years of deadlifts and, some, and all that. Some runners do say that that's, a, that's a, like the yeah. lumbar area does yeah. get tired. I didn't feel that at all, thankfully. Yeah. I definitely felt it a little yeah. bit in the shoulders. But still the upper but... back when you're kind of hunched a little bit, yeah. walking the uphill and got yeah. the, va- the pack There's on. sections where you had to carry. I had five liters of water on yeah. me to start, and you're doing these big uphills, gnarly uphills with – 20 25 pounds on your back so yeah. if i didn't train that with the go ruck pack who knows how awful you don't want that, that shock on the day yeah. Of, right yeah so you talked about a little bit about what that train looked like what was the peak mileage that you got up to or not even mileage time on feet i imagine you were training off yeah time on yeah feet i think my volume. biggest my biggest mileage week was about Wait. 115 somewhere in there okay which a lot of that was hiking so i, I want to say what it was, the hours was it like, like mid 20s Okay. Low, low to mid twenties. Yeah, um, I always feel like the hardest t- part with endurance training in these sports is the uh, because it is, especially with ultra stuff, the time on feet. 
Like, how do you fit 20 hours in your week, right? When you have you have a spouse and you have full-time work job and full-time and... job and, you know, other things you want to do besides yeah. just running. Obviously, you make a commitment like, hey, for these yep. these weeks, this is it. But um, how how tough was just fitting in that training to a yeah, into your just, schedule? I mean, it's just like any other thing that you want to make time for in your life. It's, yeah. it's prioritizing what you want knowing what your goals are and then having the discipline to yeah. stick to a plan that allows you to accomplish that. So it was a lot yeah. of early mornings and a lot of, right? a lot of sacrifices. So a lot of friends that I was like, um, you know, I could go back to the city and yeah. go to whatever event, yeah. but, um, I have to X, Y, and Z. And yeah. thankfully I have a, my wife is incredibly understanding and unbelievably you need supportive. A supportive, loving woman. Don't and so you? a lot, <laughs> a lot of my days were run a little bit early, sneak out of my lunch break and do a 30, 40 minute wait session. And then in the evening we have a treadmill in the living room. Mm-hmm. So if she was watching the news or watching a show at night, yeah. I would be up on the treadmill again and finishing it up. So it was, it was, it kind of, it wasn't necessarily quality time together, but it wasn't like I was a ghost. Or- it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I've seen um, Alex Formosi's talk about it. Like, you know, balance doesn't exist if you really want to get to greatness, yeah. you know? And I think, I'm sure you get it all the time. People are like, oh, I wish I could go out and do that. I wish I had, you know, your job or it's easy for you to do because you work from home. Or There's there's a million things people can say or easy because you're younger, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, like we all have to make sacrifices <laughs> and everyone's sacrifices are different. Yep. And, you know, if it's important to you for a few months, whether it's it's positive or bad, you might have to sacrifice time with your kids or yeah. time with your wife. But yeah. if they're loving and supportive and as long as you know to make quality time and make up to them later, yeah. it is what it is. And it's 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 sacrifice but one thing heading into the race before we get to the actual uh daunting task of 250 miles itself is what were your strategies as far as fueling yeah as far as sleep and as far as pacing for that because it's obviously a different pace and coming from a a fast guy like <laughs> yeah. yourself yeah. you're not gonna go fast directly on a two real different race. than what i'm good at yeah um, so i think of all of those the element that was the most foreign to me was the sleep yeah um, before this year, I'd never done a second night in a race before. I was going to ask that. Yeah, um, okay. So that was the biggest unknown. So I intentionally, I went out back in the beginning of March. I had a 48 hour race in Las Vegas. It was very controlled. It was on a, like yeah. a two mile loop. I think I remember seeing you do that. Yep. Yeah. And okay. so that was my first experience with a second night. And I just wanted to understand like, what mm-hmm. did I feel? What did I go through? And that was, that was pretty good experience. It I'll get into this in a bit, but it didn't totally apply because yeah. I was always, when I got tired, I was at worst like a half a mile from the car <laughs> where I could sit down and take a quick nap. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not always the case when you're in the middle of the woods, you could be 10 miles from somewhere. So mm-hmm. um, that was, that was probably the biggest challenge, the biggest learning curve. The nutrition is kind of the same. My nutrition has been very dialed. I work with a dietitian um, to help me. I've gone through metabolic efficiency testing to mm-hmm. know that at certain heart rates, I burn certain amount of carbs and yeah. fats. So I, I have that pretty dialed. Um, the difference in this race was because it was quite a bit slower than what I'm used to, right? I'm burning less carbs and a little bit more fat. So I had to be yeah. more, more cognizant. What kind of foods were you eating? So I was eating avocado wraps, um, Nutella wraps were kind of, it's kind uh-huh. of my like guilty pleasure is I uh-huh. do. I flipping love Nutella. So you put it in like a little Anything. street taco tortilla and wrap uh-huh. it and just pop that sucker. Um, <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, it's sugar, it's carbs and yeah. it's, it's a little bit Everything of fat you need. <laughs> um, and it's, so it's a good pick me up. So mm-hmm. I, I had that. And then the other element that I've added this year that has proved to be really important is adding ketone IQ to yeah. all of my, uh, my hydration bottles. So I yeah. slow drip ketone IQ throughout the entire race. And that, 
that gives me a cognitive advantage that I've never really had before. Whereas yeah. like, I just don't feel like I check out mentally when I get tired, mm. even though like I physically, I'm just dog tired and I, yeah. and I might be sleepy. Well, that's the thing but, yeah. is just trying to stay alert. And I mean, yeah. obviously like you're gonna get sleep, it's gonna happen. Yeah. But on uh, any race, I mean, even, you know, most of people that are listening, if you've ever gone on a long run, like eventually, you know, you get a little bit less aware, a yeah. little bit less attentive, yeah. especially in a race that goes eight plus hours, you start to get a little less attentive to your footing. And, yep. and when you're, you know, you got more technical terrain or whatever, or it gets darker, you know, it's hard to really pay attention. So something like that i can i can imagine how that would uh help a whole lot yeah and it's still like don't get me wrong like you're still gonna get mentally fatigued yeah but what what i found that ketone iq does for me is it even in like a hard track workout where you're doing like i don't know by like 10 by 400 you might mentally feel the fatigue at that rep eight and nine instead of four and five yeah so it's not it's not stopping the fatigue it's like delaying it yeah yeah and so i i I, it's like a liquid blinder like right it just it, it takes away some of the distractions that you might start getting mentally lazy and, and things like that. And yeah. it's, it, that has been, so I, I mix that with my liquid nutrition, which is gnarly. And that's, that's a really, it's a, it, it has a great Just amount electrolytes of, or carbs. It's electrolyte and carbs okay, for me. Yeah. So I do prime, my primary fuel source is liquid. That's, uh, that's um, how I am too. Yeah. Just so it's just, it's just easier, easy, right? Hour, yeah, a bottle easy. an hour. Um, it gets me the carbs. It gets yeah. me electrolytes. Don't have to chew. Yeah. It's just, it, it, yeah. it's mindless. Yeah. And it's easy for the crew. It's easy. Like, here's your bottle. Yeah. Here's your bladder, whatever, for the next few hours. And then I will obviously take solid calories just because eventually you just want yeah. solid calories. To chew and eat, nice, yeah. nice to chew and have a handful of potato chips or something. But that's just for satiation and for just mental enjoyment. It's mm-hmm. not what I'm relying upon. Mm-hmm. What about pace before we get to the race? So I, you don't have to say like how, how it ended up going, but yeah. you know, what were you in going into the races, you know, initial days or miles, like what were you trying to do? Were you trying to like, you know, stop yourself from going too fast? Maybe like you mentioned, walking some of the inclines yep. that maybe you would have previously ran. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think in, in ultra running in general, where a lot of athletes go wrong is that they never train how slow they're going to race. Yeah. Like, if you think about, like, 100 miles, what's your average pace going to be for the fastest runner like mm-hmm. wherever your best day is? And then you go out and you're training way faster than on your easy days. Well, that's not yeah. what you're, you're – so you're training your body to do something. Practice how you play, right? Exactly. So to, yeah. I I had to be very, very cognizant mm-hmm. of how slow I was going. And basically my training was I couldn't go slow enough. Like if yeah. I felt like I was going fast, it's a slow down walk. I was always yeah. erred on the side because I, I've never had to do hike training. Mm-hmm. I've never had to just focus on a 12 minute mile pace running. Yeah. But for 250 miles, I knew eventually I was going to be, even if I didn't plan on, it, I was going to be running a 12 minute mile. I was going to be running a 14 minute mile. Uh-huh. Like I just, I had to get my body prepared to know how it felt to run at those paces. Yeah, it reminds me, uh, you know, Jason Coop. Yeah, yeah. We, I actually seen him a few times on some of my runs because he lives in the Colorado Springs area. But uh, I remember listening to one of his podcasts talking about Hard Rock, and uh, I don't remember how he did this. Maybe it was using his Coros data or something. But he broke down. I think, yeah, for his Hard Rock race, like what percentage he was uh, running, walking, or like fully at rest. Mm-hmm. And it was like a huge, like sixty percent of the race of his like yeah. race time he was walking. Yeah. And um, it is like one of those things where you. Obviously, you don't plan to do that, and we call it ultra running. Yeah. But the joke is, a lot of it's just walking. I love yeah. this one meme that, um, you know, the meme with the two astronauts, and he's looking at the Earth, and yeah. then the astronaut behind him's got the gun, and he's like, "Wait a minute, it's all just walking." <laughs> and yeah. it's like, "Yes, <laughs> yeah." 
Um, so that's pretty much ultra ultra walking. But uh, yeah. anyway, to the race itself. We get there. You know, I imagine you get there a few days before the race. Yep. What is going through your brain? What are the nerves like the days before, the night before? Um, you know, what is t- – take me to that spot. Yeah, I think – at the end of the day, it's it's running, it's walking, it's hiking, and I know how to do all those. So that's mm-hmm. I wasn't nervous at all about that. I mean, the distance is 250 miles is so much; it's it's almost hard to imagine. So I wasn't even focusing on that. I was for, focusing on the first few legs, and I was like, okay, that's all I have to worry about right now is I get yeah. to my crew. I saw my crew for the first time at mile 37. It's really all I was worried about was what is the what are those first 37 it's also the hardest 37 miles on the course yeah the hottest 37 miles on the course mm-hmm. and the longest sections without water so yeah like, that kind of forced me to hyper focus on that and like again i'm not going to be able to really mentally compute 250 miles anyways yeah. so you just um, compartmentalize take it in 30, stride, it's, 30, right? it's a 37 mile buy-in for a 213 mile race it's kind of way to think of it, it. Yeah. And so so a few days before the race, the only things that really stressed me out were logistics, really. is, yeah. is It's a lot of moving pieces other than me. Yeah. At the end of the day, I have the easy job. I get to run from point to point, but I have a crew of people around me mm-hmm. that have to coordinate – you know, drivers and figuring out where to be when and how, and they don't totally know when I'm going to get there, but yeah. they have to try to guess. And, um, that's the only thing that really, and, and I, my wife is the best crew chief in the world. And so I've, the, the amount of stress I have about that now is mm-hmm. so much lower than it was previously mm-hmm. because she, she's freaking dialed. Like she'll have people there well before they need to. And if there's any doubt, she'll get them even earlier. So like I, but it still is just that one element. Like what if you have a flat tire? What if, I don't know what happens. Change socks or, you know, seat issues or, you know, roll something. Something could go wrong. So that's like, those are the little things. Like I know how to run. I know how to move forward. Mm -hmm. I know how to get through really low points. Yeah. That's I, I'm going to do 250 miles. That was never. Yeah, so finishing a doubt. wasn't a worry. It was just more like, how hard is it going to be? How hard is it going to be to get how many, to that? Finish? How many things how, am I going to have to get yeah. through? And how sucky is the suck going to be? <laughs> yeah, right. And you know it's going to suck. Yeah. It's going to be hard. It's yeah. going to be. That's what you're, you sign up for? You're going to yeah. be in the depths of hell for a while, yeah. and it's like, how many of these things am I going through? How hard is it going to be to get out of yeah. them? Is is really the only factors? Gotcha. So you know, we referenced it a little bit earlier. Sleep being a very uh, yeah. critical factor. What did your sleep end up being like? How many kind of sleep yeah. moments and, and breaks did you kind of take? How long were they? Sure. So I slept um, the first night, the end of the first night, I slept like an hour and a half or something mm-hmm. like that, or maybe just an hour. Um, and the second night, about the same, and then the third night, a little bit more. So I got about just shy of six hours over the the 90 hours that it took me total Yeah. Um, to do it. One question I have is... What is it like to get back running after that? Like coming out of a sleep, you honestly can feel a little more rested, but yeah. you know, you feel I would imagine stiff. How is it getting back into the it wasn't go as mode? bad as I expected it was going to be, to okay. be totally honest. I think um I think there's the mental component that like it's hard to lay down when you know you're in a race. Yeah, and so you're like, just get this over with. Well, because right. you're, yeah, because you're like, oh, my competitors are still going. You, yeah. I mean, even though you know in the back of your mind they have to sleep too or they yeah. have to stop, but all you're thinking about is people are moving, yeah. I'm not, and, and so, coming from someone who's used to the top of the front of the pack, correct. right? Yeah, and and I'm used to r- races that I can run the whole time, so yeah. I'm not used to this mental side. So 
mentally when I got done with my sleep, it was it was actually I was pretty engaged. Like let's let's go, let's go, okay. let's go. So the body was the it, it took a quarter mile to to lubricate the joints a little bit, but mentally I was like I was jammed to get moving again. So did you struggle with sleep at all? You feel like it kind of went as planned or better even. So what I learned was my biggest challenge was the the planned sleeps worked really well. The length of them worked really well. What I would do differently was be more willing to, once I got very sleepy on the trail, mm-hmm. be willing to just lay on the dirt for 10 minutes and take a nap. Because what I realize is that when I get sleepy, especially at dark and rocky, I go very, 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 very slow. Like I get <laughs> I get into self-protect mode. Yeah. And I lost a ton of time just going like 20-minute mile pace because I was sleepy. So you Even feel though- like you probably should have slept earlier? So I think I should have just been willing to, as soon as I felt sleepy, just literally take what's called a dirt nap, just lay on the side so of the trail, to the body. take five minutes, fluff up that rock. Yeah. Like <laughs> take, take five or 10 minutes, mm-hmm. get that like, and then that five minutes could get me to the truck where I was going to sleep anyways. Mm-hmm. Cause we had my camper with me. Right. And I was so hyper-focused on the bed and the camper is five miles ahead. Just get there. Even though like, I just, I look at my times. It's like, man, like that 10 minutes of napping could have saved me 10 minute miles times five versus forcing myself to move at a sludge pace. What blows my mind the most about thinking of Coca Dona 250 was while you guys were out there running, I was tracking you as well as, you know, Andrew Glaze and, you know, a couple other runners was I would think about how I'm waking up in a warm bed, taking a nice shower, having my oatmeal and eggs, you know, living a good, easy morning after eight hours of sleep. And you guys are out there sleeping on rocks, suffering on the third night of a 250-mile race. And uh, just that perspective just made me, like, laugh and appreciate you guys a lot more. Man, I had I had so many messages of, like, in my, my DMs are full of people. That are, hey, man, I just want you to know that I really didn't want to go on my five-mile run today, but then I remembered you're still out there running uh-huh. for the third day, and I sucked it up and went and ran. It makes you realize everything <laughs> is relative, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was, a, it was a cool perspective. And it just, it's it's amazing for me. It's one of the things I love most, knowing that, like, you know, whatever way that I can impact somebody to go out and do their run today, if that was it, mm-hmm. that's cool to me. That's, I, that's one of the things I love most about what, I mean, athlete, influencer, whatever yeah. the hell you want to call me. But that's, that, that made me feel really proud. Yeah, it's cool to be like, okay, you know, my six-mile run and, like, the rain might suck today. But you know what? Don on, on day four got up and ran another, you know, 30, 40 miles to get to the finish. <laughs> yeah. So I think I can scrape through on this one. You can one. make it. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? That's That perspective doesn't, like, it's not just external. It's internal to me, too. Because yeah. I can remember back to, like, damn, like, I don't want to get up and run today. And it's, yeah. I have a seven-mile run on my, mm-hmm. it's like, but. But I've done this hard way I, before. Yeah. I did something that I didn't know yeah. how I could do it. And, like, if I could get through that, I can get through a seven-mile well, run. Well, why, that's why I explain to people, whether it's it's running or lifting or whatever you do, like, when you do really hard things, it just, it sounds so cliche, but it really does make everything feel a lot easier, yeah. you it know? It the perspective. Because you can be like, well, I've suffered through you know, mile 40 to 50 in my last race when everything hurt so bad. I got I got it good today. I yeah. just ate a good meal. Yep. I got, you know, a four-mile, like, you know, tempo run or whatever it is. Like, this is yeah. nothing. So it's one of those things. But, you know, I want to ask, because we held it on our run earlier, but 
What are some of those low points oh, in Coca Dona? You probably have multiple, Dude. but whatever comes to mind. <laughs> so let many. It rip. I think the lowest point where I, I hit a section that I was prepared for. It was like a 16 mile downhill going into like the halfway point of of the race, and on paper it looks like okay, 16 miles downhill. Mm-hmm. Like this should be an area that I, I should be able to cruise pretty well. And it turned into like 16 miles, very, very loose, rocky downhill, oh, which yeah. I live, all of our trails have been covered with snow, right? So I haven't really trained super technical stuff. I've trained and I haven't trained like steep, rocky downhill. So it was 16 miles of the worst terrain. I was probably low on calories at that point. I got super grumpy. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was like, doubting myself you go through all of this self-doubt right even yeah, though like yeah. there is never a point where i didn't think i could finish i'm just like why like, why am i doing this if it's gonna i'm just gonna drag myself mm-hmm. miserable so i i i have all these tips like all these tricks in my back of my head mm-hmm. that i go through i have like my so my two dogs right i love my two dogs more than just about anything on the world the, the, one's name is bean one's name is sprout so i have this this mindset and I call it the bean sprout run club because when I run with those two dogs, it's like those two dogs run for joy more than anything else in this world. They just love to run and it's like yeah. pure joy. And I think about the bean sprout run club and embrace I, that. I'm like, how do I just right now? Yeah. I'm like, all right, bean sprout run club. And so I have a, I have a playlist that my wife made with some, some songs that remind me of my dogs. It's all nickelback. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny that the one song, the, the best song is so our, our youngest dog sprout, she's yeah. the sweetest dog in the world, but she's also a bit of a psycho sometimes. So, yeah. Um, there's that song like, oh, she's sweet, but a psycho. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's and catchy. So, it's dude, catchy. so that's that Sprout song. And so I okay. put that on and it actually kind of had like a negative effect where I just like, I just started <laughs> crying. And, like yeah. I just had like a total meltdown. Like I miss yeah. my dogs. Like I called Amy. I'm like, yeah. I miss the dogs. Like send me pictures of the dogs. But I, so I tried that. I also have this playlist that I call my suffer playlist where I have, mm. A bunch of songs from friends and family that I put on there that like, the goal is not to like pump me up to run through balls. The, the goal is just to change my emotional state. Yeah. And so there's songs on there like the song my wife walked down to the aisle to. There's yeah. songs that remind me of my my late grandma. And it's it's stuff that it's not going to pump me up, but it's going to like change something yeah. mentally. And that, that almost always works. Yeah. I've. I felt it more on like that first 50 mile because it was like the hardest thing I'd done. The recent one I did, I think it was like a little bit easier. And again, I'd like had done that distance before. So perspective was different. But I always go back to this moment where it's like 35 miles into my last uh, or that 50 miler. And I just was starting to come down like the hardest hill. And, you know, I thought I was going to miss a cutoff time and I was so down on myself. I was like cursing out the guy that was like basically picking up flags behind me like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> And uh, I come down the aid station or come down like the mountain. I look down and I see my wife and my dog there. And yeah. I just burst into tears. I sprint down as hard as I could down the mountain. And uh, like you mentioned, like a song has done for me as well, you just get a you get this like rush of yeah. emotions and adrenaline. Yeah. And my lungs opened up and my throat, which was swollen from the cold air and this hailstorm, yeah. it opened up and I just got this huge surge in the last like, or that next six miles close to the finish, I ran just as hard as I did like the first yep. 60 miles. And sometimes like you mentioned, it is just a, like a, you're looking for a chemistry switch, yep. a change to just get out of that mental rut. 
and just see things differently. You're still feeling the pain, but your perception of the pain is different. Yeah, emotions, people say, like, you know, emotions can, like, if you let emotions get to you during a race, it can be a detriment. Well, yes, it can be. Or you can embrace the emotions and let them be a, a really big positive and, mm-hmm. and, and, and use it as a, a, another arrow in your quiver to get through the hardest moments of your race. Cause it's, it's ultra running, right? It's mm-hmm. not when the low points are going to, or yeah. it's, it's not if the low points it's are going to come, when. it's when, yeah. and it's, it's having all these tools at your disposal. And, and that's one of the reasons that if you look at people that are successful in ultra running, they have a ton of experience because mm-hmm. they've gone through the lowest of lows and they've developed their toolbox of ways to yeah. get out of it or to get through it and um i just i i think emotions like i i embrace my emotions i cry mm-hmm. when i want to i i sing loudly when a good song comes out mm-hmm. i don't give a shit who's around me what's well, like, funny I, th- I think ultras for guys almost bring us into a higher emotional state than yep. we're naturally at yeah so like the things that bring me tears during a race Yep. I wouldn't think for a second, you know, Correct. when I'm like right now, yeah. but when I'm out on the race and you're 30 miles in and you're tired, you're hungry, yep. you're just like ready to be done. Um, you do, uh, yeah, you're, you're a bit more emotional. Yeah. My, <laughs> my, my, my wife will tell you right away. She, she, one of the reasons she likes careering me is it's one of the yeah. few times I'm not like tied yeah. up with my emotions. I'm just yeah. like, she's like, I know without a doubt you need me and you tell me you need me and, yeah. and you cry and you hug and like, a little more intimate. Yeah. yeah. And, and like I've, not always great with my words day to day, but in those <laughs> moments, I'm just raw. And it's yeah. like, this is what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. One thing that I know is pretty common, especially in these longer races, is, uh, you know, hallucinations. Did you have any of those <laughs> out there? Well, that was that was going to be where I went next with my low points, is I had two very memorable hallucination experiences. Um, the second night, yeah, the end of the second night, I kept hearing noises, like like scurrying noises behind me. And and I looked back and the whole desert floor was covered in hedgehogs. Like I I, I was and I like it's weird. For me, like hallucinations are so weird because I'm cognizant that it's not real, but you still see it clear as day that it's real. And so I saw like the full like the the desert floor covered in hedgehogs and like the, like an army of hedgehogs is coming to get me and I kept looking back and I was it was so funny I was I was running um with with Sean Greenspan and it was my pacer at the time and I I was like dude like I just want to let you know this is what I'm experiencing this is what I'm going through and like every time I turn around like I hear noises and I keep turning around and there's hedgehogs and he and he just looks at me and he's like dude just stop turning around yeah <laughs> and it was like the stupidest like like but like oh yeah um maybe i should stop turning around so that that like we just put our heads down at that point and i got got to the truck mm-hmm. and then i slept for the first time for like a little bit longer it is funny uh you know a lot of the different philosophy books that talk about it this one section of phenomenology like i just read a lot of this about consciousness and you think about all right like what's the difference between you imagining let's say a centaur in your head right now but then you, you know you've never seen one in real life right but i imagine this situation like hallucination you're you're still getting the sensory input that, hey, when I turn around, there's actually hedgehogs there, yeah. <laughs> but you still have enough cognizant, you know, and rationality going on in your brain that yep. tells you, hey, this couldn't possibly be real. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of ignore the sensory input that yeah. I'm getting. Yeah, it's it's so unusual because it's, 
the logical part of your brain knows it's not real, mm-hmm. but your brain is, it's actually going into dream state. Well, because everything else we do, right, is based off sensory. I see yeah. this tree in front of yeah, me. There it is. I, I assume for sure it's there. Yeah. But if you told me, hey, like, we don't grow trees around here, I'd be like, okay, then that must not actually be there. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and, and, and to take it a step further, this, the third night was when it mm-hmm. got probably even a little weirder because it was Every single, and so it was a very full moon and we were running in a pretty dense forest. And so there's yeah. lots of shadows and what the brain does, if you look at research on hallucinations and stuff for long races, it's really your brain is going into, is I mean, trying to get into dream state because it's trying to get into restorative mode because it's mm-hmm. so tired. So what it does is it shuts off some and it just fills in gaps. Mm-hmm. And so the, the third night I was seeing all of the trees all of the shadows were turning into faces. So every mm. single tree looked like a, some kind of a face. Everything had eyes and a mouth. And what's weird is I was, it, what it looked like, it was a very, very well manicured tree into a face. It wasn't like a, like a, like a, like your head wasn't yeah, there, yeah. right? No, it was just I know like, what you mean. Almost like a, tr- a face carved into a tree. Yeah, it was like well hedged yeah. trees. And yeah. so it was so, because the shadows were hitting just right that everything, my brain would just pick up on shadows and put it into a face. Cause that's, yeah. that was like the low hanging fruit for what I could interpret at the time. Mm-hmm. And the most distinct one that I could look back and I could see it clear as day is I was running and I looked ahead and I saw a tree that looked like Shrek's head, and on top of Shrek's head was the Tin Man from Wizard oh, of Oz's man. head. That's so it was a like combo. a totem of uh, of Shrek, and it was again, it was heads, yeah. right? It was faces with with two. two you listening to All Star Smash? Mouth, <laughs> you know, dude, it was it was just <laughs> so wild how the brain. I mean, I've. Did you get any auditory hallucinations? Like, did you hear anything? Or? Well, the, I heard the the, 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 oh, the second right. night. I heard the, the, the whispers, the, and I yeah. I had never heard an auditory hallucination. I actually had to ask. Can you is that I, normal? Can you hear like yeah. hallucinations? I asked my pacer Shad mm-hmm. the the second day because um, he's he's been around the ultra running scene more than I have, yeah. long way longer than I have, and so I had finally asked him. I was like, "Hey, like, have you ever experienced auditory hallucinations mm-hmm. before? This is the first time I've ever heard anything." And again, it's the same deal. There was a light breeze, and so I was picking up the the trees rustling, but my brain interprets it much differently. Mm-hmm. So when you get to that finish line, I really want to dial into that those kind of feelings. Longest race you've done, you've yeah. gone through all this hell, different sleep. What are those emotions yeah. crossing the finish line? And then also, because I noticed this is changing myself, and I think it's changing other people too, are those emotions a few days after? Yeah. So it was really interesting. So I the the, the biggest climb of the entire race is – like at mile 240, you do this gnarly, like two mile, 2000 foot climb to the top of Mount Eldon. And I, in my brain, again, I, I struggle with downhills and in my brain, I was like, okay, it's literally all downhill to the finish from there. It's like an eight mile downhill. And I kind of allowed myself to think the hard part is over. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, it really messed with me because I, I emotionally kind of celebrated being done mm-hmm. and it, wasn't you're like no nah, not yet <laughs> yeah because i my my feet hurt i was do i was struggling with downhills at that point and um it was eight miles left mm-hmm. that's a long way and any like but then it's 250 miles eight miles is a long way and so yeah so i got i went from like really emotionally high thinking like oh my god the hard part's this over yeah. to like just really freaking pissed like i yeah. was like why is this this hard i was like angry like we couldn't find the flags we didn't know where we were going mm-hmm. and so like, by the time we got to the finish line i 
I kind of was just over it. Like it yeah. was it was sad. Like I, I I let all of the positive, oh my god, I did it emotions out ten out. miles earlier. Yeah, yeah. earlier. And I so understand was, that. So I didn't. So I I had this like you, you think about like how am I gonna finish? As you want in, it to look like this, and you're crying. Yeah, yeah. like and so I was just kind of like pissed and my, yeah. my poor pacer shad he had to deal with me being crabby the last eight miles and yeah. and he's like okay we're in a town it's a it's a it's a mile from that light and i'm like what and i was like argumentative and he's like dude he's like literally he says man i don't know what to tell you it's a mile like, yeah. like, you, you can argue with what you, you want yeah. and, uh, and so funny. so i i thought through like like what am i gonna do mm-hmm. like what emotions gonna come out am i gonna cry like a baby and i was just so relieved and i didn't even like i was like i'm just good to be done and i just like let out like a primal roar i didn't even expect yeah. it i'm like what was that and then i sat on the ground and cried yeah <laughs> like literally just sat. Go. i was like good i'm good yeah um and then i obviously embraced my wife and then yeah. celebrated the crew because they they got me through it a few days later reflecting yeah. on it what were you thinking about uh you know were you, were you like man I'm I'm glad I did that. I want to do it again. Or you know, what were you? What was going through your mind? Yeah, I think it's 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 a couple a couple different things. There's always the, you know, a, a psychologist I know would call it the post marathon blues, where mm-hmm. you've spent so much time and effort preparing for this big thing, and you almost have a state of mourning. Yeah, that it's it's over. And I'm I'm sure you've experienced it with your ultras, yeah. but it's like you've lost this identity of yourself mm-hmm. of training for this. Everything thing. leads up to X, and after you overcome yeah. X, it's now what. Now what? So yeah. you kind of go from that high high yeah. to to a low low. So I definitely felt that depression, that that loss, that mourning of of the race. And then the more I reflected on it, the more like just really damn proud of myself I was. Mm-hmm. And that's like, every time you go do a race, you should learn something about yourself. Mm-hmm. And it like might not be what you expect, and it might be something. And and this race was, I. I can do really hard things and I and I prove that to myself a lot and I love proving that to myself but this was this was the hardest of the hard things and yeah. this was the when it got so hard I didn't know I mean there got to the point my feet were so painful just the the, the bruising on the bottom of my feet just because again I I had, hadn't trained hard downhills mm-hmm. and I hadn't trained really technical trails so running 250 miles of those beat the crap out of my feet and so the last 20 miles was like a quarter mile at a time before I just sit. And it's like, I don't know how I'm going to make it another quarter mile. Were the feet the only like bodily thing bothering you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I actually felt really good. Climbing uphill felt great. Like I was, yeah. my buddy Shad, he was like, dude, you're climbing great right now. I'm mile 243 yeah. up this massive climb. I was strong. I was confident yeah. going uphill, but going downhill, I was in pain. Right. And there's yeah. nothing I could have done. Right. There's no shoe in the world that yeah. could have done it. There's just like, I just hadn't trained really technical, hard, harsh downhills. Yeah. And it really bit me in the ass in the last 30 miles. So was this definitely the hardest race you've done or relative? <laughs> it's hardest, a definition of relative, hard, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so define hard. It's, it's, all things considered, yeah, probably. I think there's just more moving pieces, more yeah. chances for things to go wrong. I mean, I, I'd say like the hardest mental thing I ever did was the treadmill world records. The, the hardest in a vacuum thing I ever did Effort, was bad water yeah. running through like that heat, like the heat. And then, and but yeah, like if you add all the little elements and all of the things that could have gone, gone wrong and all the things I had to control for, mm-hmm. hell yeah, this was freaking hard. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I told you I'd save this, this question for you out when we were on the run and I, cause you asked me, you know, what, what's next? So yeah. I want to ask you, yeah. 
What's next? What are you eyeing? Yep. I think you referenced you got a few races coming up, yep. heat races. So what's 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 on your mind? So the one thing that so I got into Cocodona and I did Cocodona and last year it was Cruel Jewels because I yeah. I never wanted to do the things I was great at constantly, right? I, I I just I wanted to do things that are outside of my wheelhouse to to remind myself of doing hard things. And the one thing that Cocodona definitely reminded me of is how much I like to go flat and fast for ultras. Like I like ultras that I can shut my brain off and run hundred miles point to point. Mm. Um, I've run hundred miles and on trail sub eight minute mile pace. Like that is my jam. That's what I'm good at. So I, my fire for that has been relit. Um, and so next race coming up August 5th is the Kauai 50. So that's 50 miles in, in, in Kauai in, in Hawaii. And that'll be super fast i'll be smoking fast that 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 elite field is so incredibly deep um there's a fifty thousand dollar prize purse which really helps nice (laughs) yeah that's a good one um that'll be a that'll be a sub six hour race for sure for for the winners i don't know i hope i can i can hit that i believe in you um i'm training for it man We're, we're we're getting back there and then that's leading up to javelina 100 so that oh, is okay yeah. that is the like one of the premier hundreds in the country for like speed for flat, speed right, yeah that is another elite deep field of guys that can go really fast what's the uh the record or who's the fastest i know women's side it's a woman named camille right Camille, camille heron okay. um on the women's side so dakota jones last year ran like 12 58 okay. or something like that just knock under yeah it's just under 13 hours i don't know the exact but yeah. but it'll be for me so my my 100 mile pr is 13 16 oh 16 okay. and i'm gonna i'm gonna need to improve that if i want to be on the podium and i i don't want to just be on the podium i want to be in the top two of that race because the yeah. top two get an auto entry into western states which is my dream race you never ran that race i have not yeah you've done leadville but you haven't done what are the other big hard rock utmb utmb no i've i'm utmb is a a tricky one i was qualified for it and then they trained they changed the iron the iron man corp or whoever owns iron man bought them and now getting into it is questionable and i don't necessarily agree with some of the the practices there so i don't know i think it's i mean it's an iconic race i want to do it probably someday but it 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 moved down on my wish list so western states i think the the iconic nature of western states and the style of running in western states matches my style so those those reasons it's a hot race it's a runner's race um, I, I think it suits me really well. I think I could be competitive. I, I'm, who knows what can happen, but I think it just suits my style of running the best of the the high-tier iconic races. Let's make it happen. Where Let's can people it. find you, Don? Uh, Run with Don on Instagram uh, is definitely the easiest. Run with Don at gmail.com if you have questions or want to talk. I, I just love talking to people that have questions about running. Yeah, like it's and, I'll, and I'll plug it for him since he won't do it himself. He does have a code for Ketone IQ if you guys are interested. Um, he, he's not just recommending it because he's an affiliate or whatever. He really uses it. And, uh, you know, I, I tried it earlier today, and I definitely was noticing before we started running. I was like, yeah, I'm kicking into high gear a little bit mentally. So yeah. um, I'm excited to try it more myself. But, uh, yeah, check out Don if you guys have any questions. Um, he's super approachable. Would love to uh, talk to you guys and, and, and share any advice he has. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, please share it. Uh, follow it for more stuff like this, and we'll catch you guys in the next one.